0: What's up, everyone, and welcome back to Sports with Puneet. Hope everyone had a great day and hope everyone had a fantastic weekend. It was Halloween weekend, so hopefully everyone had a nice and safe Halloween. As always, thank you guys for joining me on this Monday. I really appreciate it. Today, we're just going to be talking about football. We're going to be t- no games, no quarterback tender. We're just going to be talking about week eight in the NFL. And the first game we're going to be talking about is Packers versus Vikings. Shocker. Anytime the Packers are playing, we're going to be talking about them on this show. And so my, my first reactions after the game was that I expected this. Not that I expected us to lose, but I expected, us, I expected us to lose in the way that we lost. What I mean by that is our run defense got exposed. Dalvin Cook ran all over us. He had over 200 yards from scrimmage. He had four total touchdowns. He had all 28 of the Vikings' points. He ran all over us. Our run defense got completely exposed. And while you could say that we also got exposed against Tampa Bay, we really got exposed yesterday. I mean, that was not fun to watch. That was a complete clinic by Dalvin Cook. And so our run defense wasn't great, but that's something I expected, and I think all Packers fans expected that. If you've been a Packers fan for the last two years, you know that our run defense is not good and it was more a matter of not of when we were going to our run defense was going to get exposed not if so i knew it was going to happen i had no idea when it was going to happen but it happened yesterday and the vikings won the game 28-14 and dalvin cook was solely responsible for that victory and but the reason i'm not shocked is because our run defense is the exact same this year as it was last year and last year, our run defense was terrible. We lost to the 49ers in the NFC Championship game. Not because Jimmy Garoppolo had a great game or that defense, had a, that defense did have a good game, but it's not like they had a completely dominating game. We lost that game because Raheem Mozart and the 49ers ran for, I think it was about 285 yards against us. Brutal. That's absolutely terrible. And... But that was last year, and you'd you think Gutekist, Brian Gutekist, the Packers' GM, is going to address a position of need, our run defense. Nope. In the draft, first round, who do we draft? Jordan Love, quarterback. I'm, I'm not crapping on his draft. I'm just saying, first round, drafted Jordan Love, quarterback. Right now, he's the third-string quarterback on this team. Second round, drafted A.J. Dillon, third-string running back on the team. Third round, drafted Josiah Deguara. He is, first of all, on IR, but when we drafted him, he was our fourth tight end on the roster. So we didn't really address any positions of need in the draft. And that's fine, I guess, if you know what you're doing. But obviously, Gutekus was planning and hoping that the Packers, who the, who the Packers have right now, will continue to develop. Kingsley Kiki, Kenny Clark, Dean Lowry, Tyler Lancaster. They'll all continue to develop, and our run defense will just get better. Well, uh, that didn't happen because I don't know if you can say we were worse than last year, but we definitely are not better. That run defense was just abysmal, and we didn't do anything in free agency either. I mean, the draft is one thing, but then in free agency, Gudikis did not address the D-line whatsoever. We picked up Rick Wagner, who's a solid pickup, and Christian Kirksey, who was a replacement for Blake Martinez. So we didn't do anything to address our run defense, and that is very worrying. I remember in an earlier episode, I talked, about, I'm not, I talked about how confident I am in the Packers and that I wasn't really worried about anyone in the NFC. But I also mentioned that I'm worried about our run defense because we have not seen our run defense get exposed yet because we've always had leads in games. And so I wanted to see how they were going to do this year if they got better. And yesterday I got my answer, no, our run defense is not better. Which brings me back. To my concerns about the Packers in the playoffs teams will be able to just run it down our throats and that's a very scary thing to think about as a Packers fans because we've lost a lot of playoff games by teams just running it down our throats so that definitely has me concerned and in terms of if I'm scared of anyone else in the NFC I am now because our run defense has shown that it is not capable of stopping anyone but that that moves me to my next point which is I think I have figured out Matt LaFleur's ideology or plan for this this Packers team and their offense obviously it's dominate the time of possession but it's why they dominate the time of possession all the games the Packers won they have had a clear margin favoring them in time of possession And there's two reasons for that. One, obviously, defenses will get tired. The more your offense is out on the field, the more that defense is out on the field, the more tired they're going to get. Third, fourth quarter rolls around, they're tired, they're gassed, you can expose them. But then second is teams can't get a big lead on us, the Packers, if we have the ball for a majority of the game. And that is key because... I think that contributes to why Matt Lafleur all of Matt LaFleur's losses have been blowouts besides yesterday's game because the Packers, when they get down, cannot come back. They, they don't have the offensive firepower. Their defense isn't good enough. And really, it's because it's of their defense. When teams get up, guess what they can do? They can control the game by just running the ball. They run the ball down the Packers' throats. They just add on to the lead. The Packers have no chance to come back. So LaFleur is thinking, okay, if we can dominate the time of possession every single game, because we have Aaron Rodgers, so this is all realistic. When you have Aaron Rodgers as your quarterback, you can do anything you want on offense. So LaFleur is thinking we dominate the time of possession. One, we're keeping the ball in Aaron Rodgers' hands, which is what any team would want to do. Two, you're getting defenses tired. Three, we can be in every single game. We, even if we're losing and we've been dominating time of possession, we won't be up. We won't be losing by double digits we might be down by a touchdown three points ten points something that we can come back it's still manageable teams when they're up by seven they're up by ten they're they're still running their regular offense they're not gonna strictly commit to the run now they're just they're not just gonna run it down your throat because it's still just a one possession game a ten point game in the nfl especially when aaron Rodgers is the quarterback teams can come back from that so lafleur understands if we have the ball majority of the game. Teams won't be able to bi- build big leads against us. They won't be able to run the ball down our throats as effectively because either we have the lead or they don't have a big enough lead where they can just strictly run the ball. And LaFleur's not doing this because this is what he thinks like will win an NFL game. LaFleur is a genius of a head coach. He's literally just doing this because he's, he's playing with the cards that were dealt with him. He knows that he has a terrible run defense, and his goal is to do whatever it is possible to make sure that that run defense does not play a huge factor in the winner of that game. Yesterday, it did 100%. Packers also need to work on their penalties. We've been playing pretty mistake-free football up until yesterday. But yesterday, I mean, there were penalties on both sides, but the Packers had some really big, costly penalties. It's 14-14 going into halftime. You know, I'm feeling good as a Packers fan. I know the Vikings hit the ball first. But honestly, I, I'm not worried about Kirk Cousins. I'm just worried about Dalvin Cook. And so we forced them to a third down. It's third and six, Beginning of the third quarter, Vikings, they're on their first drive of the quarter. And we get a stop until a flag comes out, pass interference on Jair Alexander. That was huge. But we can still stop them. They're, not, they're now in the red zone. We can still stop them. So we get them to another third down, a third and goal this time. We stop them. Flag comes out. Another pass interference. Now, two third downs. Two third downs where the Packers got stops and they were called for pass, defensive pass interference. That's not winning football. That is not, they, first they had an opportunity to force a punt, then they had an opportunity to just let the Vikings get three. Instead, it's a touchdown 21 14. And now all it takes is one bad Packers offensive possession, which is what happened. The Packers, they get the ball back. They went away from the run game, leads to a three and out. They punt it back. Vikings come roaring back, 50-yard screen to Dalvin Cook, touchdown. Just like that, 28-14. Without those two pass pass interference calls, the game is not 28-14. The game isn't even 21-14 to begin with. So the Packers need to work on their penalty. They got to be They've been good so far. Don't get me wrong, they've been good so far. But man, yesterday was just a sloppy game. And that brings me to another point which is I don't know if it's LaFleur's the way he the way the guys train or prepare, but when we lose, the guys just look sloppy they just look sluggish they don't look like they're playing with 100% effort because there were just some really sloppy plays that just disgusted me as a Packers fan I mean first of all the tackling was brutal yesterday we missed so many tackles Dalvin Cook had so many yards after initial contact it was we got to work on the tackling and then sometimes I just don't see the hustle there you know I see Devonte Adams obviously hustling. You, know, you see the big guys hustling, but you see some guys who are just like Josh Jackson, Shannon Sullivan. Like, what are you guys doing out on the field? Like, they are, I remember there was a third down completion where Shannon Sullivan, it was, it was a drag route. Um, and Shannon Sullivan, I think it was about, it was third and short for sure. I'm not exactly sure how many yards, but it was third and short. And Shannon Sullivan is standing about like 10 yards back from the line of scrimmage. Like, what are you doing? You realize this guy can run a quick slant and they get a first down, like, and you won't be able to be there. Like, why are you all the way back there? Just small things, and maybe that could have been what the, what the defensive play was. I'm no D coordinator, but if that is what the defensive play was called, then Mike Patine needs to go. I already think Mike Petit needs to get fired, but if that's the type of defense you're running on a third and short where a guy can just run a slant and he'll literally be wide open... You should not be a defensive coordinator in the NFL. You got to go. And I think we need to fire Mike Patine. He is He's done nothing in his three years here. We thought he was a good coach. Then we thought he was decent. Now we all just think he's bad. He's, he's just not a good coach. The run defense has been so bad over the last two years under Mike Bettine that we can't overlook it at this point. Obviously, we're going to keep him for the rest of the season. We're not going to fire him halfway through, but... After the season, I think it's time the Packers part ways with Mike Petine. And the last thing about the Packers is trades. NFL trade deadlines tomorrow, 4 p.m. Tuesday. And the Packers, their names have been rumored in some trades, particularly for wide receivers. But here here's my problem. Alright, I I want the Packers to make a trade. Don't get me wrong. I would love for the Packers to make a trade. I don't know if they should prioritize offense, like wide receiver offense, or defense. Now, the re- I think they should do defense, but the, the reason I think it's even a conversation is this Packers offense has been playing phenomenal. They've been playing so good through the first seven games of the season, and we don't even have that great of weapons. Like, honestly, every time you men- I mention that the Packers don't have weapons, people will just be like, oh, but Rodgers has been doing so well with what he has, so obviously we have weapons. Devontae Adams has been, carry- has been carrying this wide receiver group. And you occasionally get guys that make big plays, like Marquez Valdez-Scanling makes some big plays. Alan Lazard, I love Alan Lazard, but he's injured right now. He makes some great plays. Robert Tunyon, love Robert Tunyon, but he's a tight end. He is... I think he is very promising. I love, he, I love the way he runs routes, and he always catches the ball from Aaron Rodgers, and I love that. But if we had better weapons, our offense would just be better. That makes it logical, isn't it? So if we get a guy like Will Fuller or Kenny Stills or Randall Cobb, just imagine how much more lethal our offense would be. If you think it's unstoppable now or you think it's very good right now, then if you bring in a guy like Will Fuller instead of Marquez Valdez-Scantling, who is our deep threat and Will Fuller is just a better version of Marquez Valdez-Scantling, you will instantly make your team better. But on the flip side, our defense, our run defense in particular, is so porous, as I've said before. been saying it for the last 14 minutes. We got exposed. It's bad. But it is so bad that you, we need to make a splash then. Like, for a trade, we can't just, like, trade. We can't just be like, all right, we'll give you guys a conditional six-round pick for, like, your third-string D end or, like, your third-string D tackle. That guy's not going to do anything. He, he's not going to help the Packers at all. He's not going to help the Packers run defense. If he does, it's very minimal. We need someone big, and there aren't a lot of big-name game changers that are out there. The only ones I've really heard of are Quinn and Williams. And Quinton Williams has not been playing well, but I would love to get Quinton Williams on the Packers. Great talent. He was a third overall pick just two years ago. I'd love to get him on the team. But there aren't really any big players that are on the trade market right now. And so why? Obviously, you want to make multiple trades, but I personally think the Packers are only going to make one. So if you need to choose whether it's Make our offense, in my opinion, significantly better with a guy like Will Fuller, who has been linked to the Packers heavily over the past couple days, or trade for a D lineman who's not really going to add much, I'm going to lean towards the offense for trading for an offensive player. But if we can get a stud D not even a stud, but just someone who can actually impact the game and not some like backup or like bad D end on like a bad team, then obviously prioritize defense. And so I'm hoping the Packers make a trade. I, I think they should make two. They should get more D-line depth because I don't think they're going to swing for a star D-lineman or a run stopper. And then I say you, you swing for wide receiver. Get a guy like Will Fuller. And you're going to have to give up a decent amount for Will Fuller. But after, after seeing what the Packers have been doing with their picks, please, I would love to give a third-round pick for Will Fuller. That would be beautiful. All right, second-round pick is a is asking for more, which is, I, I would have to think about that more, but a third-round pick for Will Fuller, without a doubt, I'm taking that. The Packers need to be in win-now mode. Be- before we move on to our next topic, the, the Packers need to be in win-now mode, which is why the draft always frustrates me, especially when we're looking at this season. We have so many holes that could have been fixed through the draft, and we just decided not to address them. But again, I'm no GM. Like, Brian Gutekist is the dr- GM, so... He knows more than me, and he knows a plan for the team, but from a spectator perspective, it's frustrating to just see, oh, man, we could have filled these holes in the draft and free agency, and we just didn't do it, and now come trade deadline, you're not, you're not going to fix your team over the trade deadline. The problems that we have, we need an offseason to fix. We can make them a little better, but we need a whole offseason to fix. Our second topic is the I named it Jets rebuilding plan but I just want to talk about the Jets and compare them to the Miami Dolphins in terms of rebuilding. And the reason this came to mind is ESPN released an article, I think it was today. And it was like it's been 365 days since the Dolphins since last season and the Dolphins were 0 and 7 365 days ago. So a year ago to this day the Dolphins were 0 and 7. Today they're 4 and 3 and just came off a huge win over the Rams. A huge win. They have, a, they have what they think is a franchise quarterback in Tua. They've got a great head coach in Brian Flores, and they've got a great direction. They did all that in a year. All that in a year. And I'm not saying that the rebuild is done, because no, they're, they're only 4-3. and three. The, the rebuild is far from over, but when you go from 0-7 to 4-3 and 3 in one year, I'm going to consider that the start of a successful rebuild, and I think most people will as well. So, but how did the Dolphins do that? How do the Dolphins get there? First of all, there are, there are a lot of parallels between the Dolphins and their Jets and the way they're, they're going to rebuild. So the Dolphins, the first thing they did, they got rid of Adam Gaze, which is the head coach for the Jets right now. The Jets need to get rid of Adam Gaze, and not just Adam Gaze. Get, get rid of Greg Williams, the D coordinator. Get rid of the offense coordinator. Fire the whole staff if you have to. I mean, the Jets have been such a train wreck this year. They are the worst, and they're the worst team in the NFL by far. And they're the worst offense I think I've ever seen in my entire life. Now, keep in mind, I'm only 19, and I've probably been able to tell if an offense is good since, like, I was 13 or 14. But they are the worst offense I've ever seen by far. It's hard to watch. And you, so you need to get Adam Gaze out of there. It, you get the whole coaching staff out of there. That's step one. Because the rest of the stuff I'm about to say, if they don't do this, fire Adam Gaze and the rest of the staff, the rest of the steps don't matter, particularly Adam Gaze. He just he needs to go. So the Dolphins got rid of Adam Gaze, and they found a coach that they liked, Brian Flores. Great hire, fantastic hire. So what should the Jets do? Fire Adam Gaze. Find your, find your head coach. Find – I think it's so underrated co- who the coach is in a rebuild because when you have a good coach in a rebuild – it speeds up the entire rebuilding process by years. It really does. The, one of the reasons the Dolphins have been able to do such a great turnaround in this one year is because Brian, Brian Flores is a great coach. He's a very good coach. He's built a great culture around there. And as you're going to see by the moves, he had in mind a certain image for this team. And people who didn't fit that image, he traded them, let them go. He got rid of them. Because he knew that this Dolphins team, when he inherited it last year, they were not even close to playoff contention. They didn't have a quarterback. So he knew, let me, let me blow this up, all right, and we're just going to rebuild. We're gonna, I'm going to get players that I like, that I think fit my culture, fit my locker room, and we are going to remake this entire team. And so that's exactly what they did. They traded everyone of value. They traded Minka Fitzpatrick, a fourth-round pick, and a seventh-round pick. To the Steelers for a 2020 first-round pick where they drafted Austin Jackson, O-Tackle, out of uh, University of Southern California. And then a 2021 sixth-round pick. So they traded Minka, who didn't really fit what they were looking for. And also, in a rebuilding team, you don't really need a safety. Like, safeties are great and all, but when you're, <laughs> when you're rebuilding, you don't need a star safety. That's why the Jets thankfully traded Jamal Adams. Even though I love Jamal Adams, but a star safety is going to do nothing if you're re- if you're rebuilding and you're not even close to playoff contention. So they got rid of Minka and they got some value. And then they traded Laremy Tunsil, Kenny Stills, a 2024th round pick and a 2021 sixth round pick for a 2020 first round pick, a 2021 first round pick. So two first round picks. They traded an offensive tackle for two first round picks, a 2021 second round pick. So this year's second-round pick, Julian Davenport and Johnson Batamosi. The players don't really matter in this. Davenport is a decent tackle in the NFL. Batamosi was just thrown in there. It's the picks. They, out of those two players, out of Minka and Tunsil, they were able to get three first-round picks, a second-round pick, one fourth-round pick, and a sixth-round pick. Just from Minka, Loremi, Tunsil, and then Kenny Stills, obviously. Great value. Great value. That's how you start a rebuild. Get picks. And the Jets The Jets started off good by getting two first-round picks for Jamal Adams. Great trade for them in terms of their rebuilding, so they don't need Jamal Adams. Great trade for them. They need to start off by getting these picks. But then, the Dolphins, they went all in. They were like, we're just going to, we have cap space, we're just going to get picks, and we don't care who you're giving us in return. So the Dolphins traded a 20 a uh, 2022 seventh round pick for Akib Talib, who was on the Rams, and the Rams wanted a salary dump for Akib Talib and a 2025. So they traded a seventh for a fifth, basically, because Talib didn't play a single snap for the Dolphins. They're going to consider that a win all day. They are trading a seventh round for a fifth fifth round pick, and they're taking Talib's contract, who they don't even need the cap space, so they can just they can take his contract. The Dolphins acquired so many picks and they cleaned house and that's exactly what the Jets need to do they they need to they need to get rid of guys like Quinn Williams who as I mentioned earlier you got to get rid of guys like Quinn Williams get rid of CJ Mosley get rid of Sam Darnold Marcus May anyone with value on that team get rid of them because in my opinion as well I've never been in an NFL locker room but Adam Gaze has messed up that Jets organization so bad that I don't even think most of the players on that roster want to even be part of the New York Jets anymore. Like, even if they get a new head coach and all this, I don't even think that they would want to be a part of the roster, which is here. here's where step two, or here's where, what the, how the Jets should rebuild. Keep Adam Gaze this year. Let him just finish out the rest of the year. You guys are 0-8. Let him, let him finish out the rest of the year. The only reason to fire him is to try and test out another assistant coach on the team and see if he's worth it to be a head coach. But like I said earlier, I, don't, I think all the coaches should be fired. I don't know the, the Jets' assistant coaches, but I'm assuming none of, none of them are head coach-worthy. So what's the point of even firing Gaze? Let, let him finish out the season, but then end of the season, Joe Douglas. Joe Douglas, new GM. He's been the GM for two years. I don't know how he kept Adam Gaze for two years you got to fire Adam Gaze and find your own guy. But you got to find the right guy. And the reason, the reason you got to fire Gaze right after the season and got to instantly look for your new guy is because there's been a lot of rumors going around that Trevor Lawrence— because the Jets are guaranteed the first overall pick. There's been a lot of rumors going around that Trevor Lawrence might stay for his senior season because he doesn't want to join the Jets. I don't think Trevor Lawrence wants to join this dysfunctional Adam Gaze-led Jets but if Joe Douglas, the Jets GM, shows Trevor Lawrence, hey, man, I know it's been bad, but we got rid of the head coach who we thought was a problem. You know, we've, we've traded these guys and gotten assets for them. Yeah, your first year here, we're not going to be good. This is not a good football team right now. But we are trying to build around you. We think you're the future of the NFL. And we want to draft you with our first overall, first overall pick. We're trying to change the culture. Yes, we were bad before, but we're trying to change the culture here, and you're the first step of that. You tell Trevor Lawrence that and his agent, I don't think Trevor Lawrence would even think about coming back for a senior year. And I think the only reason that they're saying that is because Trevor Lawrence is very smart, and he's like, if the Jets don't make any moves, if they don't fire Adam Gaze, then yeah, I'm going to stay for my senior season because I don't want to play there. But if Joe Douglas shows Trevor Lawrence, hey, we're trying to do a culture change. We, want, we got rid of Adam Gaze. We got rid of our D coordinator, our offensive coordinator. We got rid of the staff. We're ready to build around you. We got a new head coach. And then obviously, you got to get, in my opinion, I, you got to get an offensive guru, head coach. Get Eric Benhemi from Kansas City. I think that would be beautiful to watch. Eric benamy has been such a great offensive coordinator. Look what he's done with Patrick Mahomes. He's been fantastic. I don't know how he doesn't have a head coaching job, but if I was the Jets, I would draft Eric Benamy and then trade the guys. Trade guys like anyone with value. Trade Quinn Williams. Trade Sam Darnold. Trade Marcus May. Trade CJ Mosley. Because you also want to make sure that your coach is comfortable with that. You want your... Like, Brian Flores basically took over that Dolphins operation in terms of he was like, okay, I don't want these guys. I don't want these guys. I can work with this. I can work with that. And... Joe Douglas needs to do the exact same thing with his head coach. They need to have a great relationship, a very open relationship, and they need to understand that this Jets team is one of the worst teams in the NFL, and it's not going to be an easy road, but if they stick together, they, will, they can actually try and do this rebuild. So they just got, just got to follow the Dolphins' plan, which is, to summarize it, fire, fire the head coach, which in this situation is Adam Gaze blow up the team, trade anyone with value, trade guys like Quinn and Williams. The only bad thing about the Jets' approach compared to the Dolphins, or I don't want to say bad, but the Dolphins really got helped out that they were trading with Bill O'Brien, the GM, because they got a king's ransom for Laramie Tunsil and Kenny Stills, and that typically will not happen for a left tackle. Left tackles are great in the NFL, but two first-round picks and a second-round pick is a lot of value. So obviously they won't be able to get as many assets as the Dolphins got. But you can still, Quinn Williams still has value. C.J. Mosley still has value. Marcus May still has value. Sam Darnold still has value. Obviously you're not going to get a first-round pick for it. You might not even get a second-round pick. But third- and fourth-round pick, why not? What else is the point of having these guys on your roster? Take all the value you can get. Stockpile picks, because when you stockpile picks, the flexibility you give your franchise in the draft and in other moves is tremendous. You can trade up, you can trade down, you can trade those picks for other people who, might, who you think might fit better on this team. The more assets, the better, because you get assets and you can flip them. That's, that's the great thing about assets and draft picks. So first, you got you to fire Adam Gaze. You got to trade everyone. You got to find a great head coach. And at the, at the end of the day, you you just you need trust. You need trust in that organization. A lot of the people that have left, like Le'Veon Bell and Jamal Adams, just for like recent the recent people that have left have said some terrible things about the Jets organization. And when you're trying to attract future free agents and future draft picks and whatnot, you need to make them understand that we've changed. Yes, we were like that. These guys are right, but we're different than what we were before. And so you just need to get trust back in that building because I think all the players have lost trust in what the Jets are doing. You're 0 and 8, you're terrible. Adam Gaze is a terrible head coach. So you've got to reestablish that trust within the organization that, hey, and that's Joe Douglas's job. Hey, we're going to be, it's been bad thus far, but we're changing things up and we feel like we're going to be moving in the right direction. That's how you bring in free agents. Trevor Lawrence, I doubt, would stay for a senior year if he heard stuff like that because, again, Trevor Lawrence is guaranteed first overall pick, in my opinion. And I'm, I don't think he's turning down that money if the Jets said that they're going to change for him. So that's all we got for today. Thank you guys so much for listening. I appreciate it, as always. Every Monday, 8 to 8.30 Central Time, 9 to 9.30 Eastern Time, come, hop on MU Radio, and join Sports with Punith. We can just talk about sports and have a good time. Reminder, when I shut this off, which will be in about 20 seconds, lower down your volume because music is going to blast in your ears. Just want to give that for any new listeners. But that's all I got for today. Thank you guys so much for joining me. I really appreciate it. I will see you next Monday. Peace.